take a time machine back to before the world went to hell. Around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games. That's what I want to talk about. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And continue the conversation on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content. And now... Less Than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff. Less Than 2,000. Now part of the HyperX Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, punch your balls off and please welcome Nine Inch like to be excited about things do you remember what it's like to be a young lad and looking forward to things and excited about life and art and discovering who you are and yes and why things are the way they are you remember what that feeling is like i i've rediscovered it this week <laughs> yes i've largely rediscovered it this week by studying our topic woodstock 94 woodstock 94 was so important to me as a kid, and it still is now because it's the perfect time capsule of that late genera- generation X, early millennial, you know, exennial generation shift. Um, I was so excited in 94 for this concert. And every time I go down this rabbit hole, I get, I just get obsessed with it. The, I remember what it felt like to be 13 years old and, and excited about this thing, anticipating it. All these great bands getting together, the 25th year anniversary of the original Woodstock. And um, yep. when I go back and watch it or listen to it, I get that spark again. I get that feeling of what it was like to be in the summer of 1994, anticipating and following this thing. Like it was the most important thing in my life. I mean, MTV literally covered it like bigger than a sporting event. <laughs> I mean, yes, there were, there were the I mean, the, the equivalent of the sideline reporters with the yes. band doing the couch interviews. You know, you've got the main hosts, you know, up in the booth, you know, that were like perched up high over the vast sea of hundreds of thousands of people, you know, commenting yes. on who's next. I mean, it, it was literally ran like a massive event. And it was a massive event. There was, I, I was wondering, like, they were so weird about their estimate of people. I don't know if the estimates of people were different back in the early 90s, but they're like, <laughs> they're like 250 to 550,000 people. So, well, how could there be a 300,000 person spread there in the estimate? Well, it's very simple. Uh, p- the people tore down the fences, yes. people were coming yeah. and going. 
like some people were like upset that they spent the $140 on a ticket because they just right. walked right on in. You know? Just walked right on in. And I mean, and the security at the place was they decided at a certain point, you know, you weren't supposed to bring drugs or alcohol or outside food in or anything like that. But it got so big that by at the end of by by the middle of the second day, which was Saturday, they were just like we have to focus our efforts on actually making sure people are safe rather than trying to keep stuff out. And unlike Woodstock 99, which I'm only going to mention once because that's terrible and it ruined everything for everybody. Screw Woodstock 99 and all you people that caused problems at it. Woodstock 94, there were really no problems. There was no rioting. There was no sexual assault. There was no massive problems there's no open fires going it was just three day three more days of peace love and music that I was know, the tagline so, so 69 ends up you know really just i mean it brought a whole generation of people together peace love at a time that the that the world really needed it then you have the 25 anniversary got 94 you said nothing happened the worst thing that happened was really you know uh, a lot of rain and yeah. a lot of mud Mm-hmm. And then 99 comes along and everybody screws it up. Oh. It's like, I mean, it's, it's, I don't get it. I don't, I, I really don't understand the philosophy of people that are going to something like that. And, and it's supposed to be something that unifies people together. And yeah. instead it's, it's divisive. Woodstock 99 ruined everything, and uh, but thankfully, today's topic is about 94, and 94 was freaking awesome. I mean, people, the, the big controversy about it was, oh, it's so corporate. It's so, it's all capitalist, and it's all just overpriced and sanitized marketing. Well, I, but, but, but I don't but think to so. that point, well, I, 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 I'm on the fence. <clears throat> now, I watched... A lot of stuff last night. Yeah, you know, I was up it's all great, night. Isn't it? Yeah, it was incredible. However, I do kind of understand it because there wasn't um like every single time I felt like they would cut back to the booth. There'd either be a, a, a ticker at the bottom or the guy saying, "You know, everyone at home that can't make it here, you know, go ahead and call that cable company. Go ahead yeah. and and register to pay that hundred and forty nine dollars. You know, so you can mm-hmm. be a part of this from home." Don't get me wrong, is genius, and you bought into it. I believe you told me that you watched the whole thing, right? Uh, so it's it's it worked, but it it was very it was very polished. It was <laughs> it was it very was. polished. That's what I mean. It was like the equivalent of a very polished sporting event. It, it's 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 definitely more polished and corporate than sixty nine was. But compared to how things are now, it was just kind of like, yeah, of course people were making money. Of course they sold Pepsi. Of course, you know, originally when they started, you could only use Woodstock bucks to buy things. You had to use their special currency. And yeah, it was $140 per ticket, which was like the equivalent of almost $400 today. And and so, yes, it was very, it was very sanitized and corporate, but... There were enough positive things about it that it far outweighed any sort of negative. Yeah, of course, corporations are going to make money. No, no, no. I mean, I hundred percent agree. Hey, they let people in for free after a certain point, and they're just like, you know what? We're not going to bust people for weed anymore. Just let them have fun, and it was fine. 
I was trying to I was trying to think about this because technology had come so far since Woodstock '69. Uh, I was sitting here. I was really trying to wonder, like, is it in hindsight very corporate and all that kind of stuff, or were they just doing what really worked for the times? I mean, they had the ability to stream this into households all over the place and and do do cable. So why wouldn't you let more people participate? in something so epic. So I think by the end of it, I, 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 I agree with you that it's, I, I think it was just a really great event and they did what they it, should have done. It's a great event with, I mean, the acts are incredible. Uh, Blues Traveler, Live, Cheryl Crow, Collective Soul, Violent Femmes, Aphex Twin, D-Light, Joe Cocker, Blind Melon, Cypress Hill, Rollins Band, Melissa Etheridge, Crosby Stills Nash, Nine Inch Nails, Metallica, Aerosmith, Primus, Salt and Peppa, Arrested Development, Almond Brothers, Traffic, Spin Doctors, Porno for Pyros, Bob Dylan, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Green Day, Peter Gabriel. This this is an amazing lineup of old and new. It, it gave you the old stuff. There are people from that actually performed in '69. Then there were people that were kind of going out out of fad. And then there were people, the, the new generation was taking over. And God, what a lineup. What an incredible lineup. I get excited about stuff. I'm thinking, I remember what it was like to be a 13-year-old boy and excited for all of this stuff. And I so wanted to go. I wanted to be there more than anything. And I kind of feel like, yeah, I didn't get to go, but I got to go back and relive it through the MTV VJs. I, I you mentioned the sports like coverage. I love that stuff. Bill Bellamy up in the <laughs> like the perch doing the MC and tossing it to people. Tabitha yep. Soren, I loved her. The the redheaded girl, the the news MTV news lady. Like yep. she was great. I didn't appreciate her as much as a kid. I think looking back, she's awesome now. Chris Connolly and um, Juliet. I don't remember her last name, but that Juliet girl, the British girl, um, yep. amazing. And then, <laughs> guys, I've got something to confess. I carry a torch for Kennedy. I carried a torch for her back then, and I do now. The the girl with the glasses, the sort of Daria, Lisa Loeb kind of girl with the alternative edge. Oh, man, Kennedy. And she was... She was she introduced Nine Inch Nails and everything, and, and I, I just... Man, this took me back to a great time. Was was she the one with the dark hair that was that was doing that that like literally harassing people in the middle of waking the night people up the first night? Yeah, yes. waking <laughs> just going into their tents and like tapping her microphone on people's faces while sleeping. Yes. And what are you <laughs> sleeping for? You're at Woodstock. Yeah, literally, and then drags as many people as possible to an all-night rave until sunup, and then it's like, all right, the party continues. <laughs> yeah, dude, rave stock, they called it. Rave stock that had Aphex Twin and D-Light and the Orb. I mean, that was that was amazing that the first night that they had a rave, and I was thinking about, I wrote down some things that were like, this, this was a bunch of new stuff or a bunch of stuff that we as middle Americans uh, you know, in the center of the world, not in a hip place like L.A. or New York or Miami or whatever. Um, things that were new to me or things that were becoming popular at the time, like raves. I don't know if I'd ever heard of a rave before. Um, moshing no. was still kind of a new thing. Moshing, they're like, oh my god, it's a uh, you know, you're you're <laughs> you're moshing or whatever. Um, 
In fact, Joe Cocker, who of course was in in, in the nineteen sixty nine Woodstock, he 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 referred to it as mushing. Oh yes, all those people yeah. out there were mushing. They're like, no, it's, it's moshing, but that's all right. You're like seventy. It was it was so it was so new at the time that literally they didn't even know how to say it right. I mean, everybody mushing. was so awkward about it. He's calling it mushing, you know, and they're like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it. It was funny. It, that's how new it was. Like that was a new yeah. concept of like pushing each other and you know. In the front headbanging of the was still kind of a new thing. Yeah. Um, body paint was a was kind of a new thing. People walking yep. around with body paint, uh, and so it was awesome to just see that. That's all stuff that we is ubiquitous. We know about it. It's like, oh yeah, that was probably the first time I heard of a rave or really saw moshing on that level and headbanging and body paint and cool stuff like that. It's awesome. Right. No, I, the, I, the there is a scene in the, in the documentary, which, by the way, if anybody has has no concept of what we're talking about, YouTube has tons of amazing stuff, and there is like a whole two and a half hour documentary uh, with a lot of the highlights and everything. But there's a scene where she's writing, she's body painting like Woodstock on a guy's chest. The woman is yes, yes, and the VJ from MTV was. So so cringe, man. He's sitting there like, so what are you doing? Yeah. Man, do you like body painting men? And like, it was yes. so, and then turns to the woman next to her and she yeah. like opens her shirt and shows her body paint. And he's like, mm. I mean, it was so cringe. That was the worst part of the whole, of the whole thing. It was like, dude, come on, chill out. Do you like doing that? I'm not- Another thing that was, uh, I mean, that was new, and this is this is what's amazing for the time capsule portion of this, is the singer for Blind Melon wore yes. a dress, and it was a major controversy. Or it wasn't so oh, much yeah. a controversy, but it was like a, this is something that isn't commonplace. This was before Dennis Rodman did it. This was, so to see a man wear a dress and perform was like, what are you doing? Whose dress is that? Why are you dressed like that? What is, and, and, yeah. and yeah, those questions are fair. But at the time, if you saw a rock singer wearing a dress now, you really wouldn't think twice about it. You're like, you that's his artistic choice. <laughs> but at the time, it's like, who is this guy? Is he on drugs? Which he was. He was tripping on LSD the whole show. <laughs> and the performance oh, yeah. suffered for it. But... Uh, yeah, a man wearing a dress in 94 was a huge thing. And it wasn't just the, I mean, he had a, he had a blue Brett or whatever in his hair. Yeah, right. he, I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't just the dress. The dress is what everybody right. saw when they, when you <laughs> see him up close, you're like, there's a lot more going on in that outfit. That was uh, supposedly his girlfriend's at the time. It was his girlfriend's right. dress. And uh, <laughs> I, I love that. I wish I wish I would have watched this with you. I mm. wish I would have watched it with you back in 94. And mm. honestly, uh, now that we're separated by many you know thousands of miles, I actually wish we would have watched it together today. I, Me I mean, too. this is one of those things that that is such a time capsule of of our of our generation of the stuff we were growing up with. That yeah. watching that with someone else like you 
and being able to like talk about the music, talk about the bands, talk about the controversies, talk about, you know, everyone flinging mud on stage during uh, Green Day, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then one of the guitarists laid on the ground and the security mistakes him for like a, a fan and yes. body tackles him and knocks <laughs> yes. his tooth out. Like, yep. I mean, there was like, these are the things that we could have relived together. And I'm uh-huh. so glad you helped tee this up and send me all this stuff to, to watch. But imagine going through that with someone else, you know, cause it was yeah. amazing. The Hardcore Gaming 101 podcast is on a mission to rank the top games of all time. I like the idea that when Bruce Wayne gets angry, he switches to the Batman voice. Why do you have such a problem making boomerang shaped like a bat? You mean like Batman? Not like Batman, just make it for me, Bruce Wayne. I can't even with this guy. It's a Herculean task, and I'd be lying if I said it hasn't taken a toll on our cognitive faculties. Most people would be happy to have a job during a global pandemic. (laughs) Dennis... Hardcore Gaming 101, twice a week, every week, right here on the HyperX Podcast Network. SequelCast 2 and Friends looks at movies and video games and franchises, one movie and game at a time. Hosted by Matt Bradley Shurgi, Thrasher, and Alex Miller, been going since 2009, and we're part of the HyperX Podcast Network. I was I was pretty shocked that Nine Inch Nails was such a major piece of of Woodstock. Because you look at that, you look at the list of bands and you're like, I, I mean, Nine Inch Nails is a, an electronic. I mean, they're like a new type of band. I mean, it was yeah. it was so unique. And this was right after Broken and Fixed. So they were, you know, and um, and Downward Spiral, right, had just come out as well, right? Just come out. Yep. Yep. So but so there was still a lot of anger in the music. There was it was a lot heavier, you know, oh, yeah. and and Prince all that. Of darkness. And and I mean Trent was pissed about that yes. show, like yes. hated it. They had a mud fight beforehand, and then the sound wasn't working. I, I there was a part of me looking back on it, like kind of uncool, man. Like he literally started like breaking his stuff on stage, mad that it wasn't working. And I mm-hmm. mean, I, I guess there's kind of the that's so rock and roll, man. It's rock but then and roll. There's also like, but then he's also like, you know, he's mad. Had I not known he was mad, then he thought the show sucked and just literally in interviews came out and was like, yeah, we were awful. Like, had I not known that, I wouldn't have thought, oh, he's actually doing it. But he just lost his cool up there. <laughs> he 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 didn't like. He didn't want to play the show ahead of time. He didn't like the way it turned out after the time afterward. But he has come since to realize. That was an amazing show, and I will. I am willing to say, without question, that was the most important show in the history of Nine Inch Nails because it Agreed. just rocketed them into a, a new level of exposure. And and you mentioned uh, surprised about them being that big of a deal. They weren't supposed to be that big of a deal. They were. They were weren't a big thing coming into this, but they stole the show. They were at the right place at the right time. They had the right energy. And and imagine this. They went on on Saturday night before Metallica and before Red Hot Chili Peppers, which were way bigger acts at the time. But the biggest crowd was at Nine Inch Nails. The crowd was at its peak capacity, was at Nine Inch Nails. And they did such an amazing show and that anger and, and just the performance. And even though the music wasn't that great uh, it stole the show and you couldn't follow that metallica looked 
Like, people left. They didn't stick around to watch Metallica or Red Hot Chili Peppers because nothing could follow Nine Inch Nails on that That's, night. That is insane. I did go back and watch. You had sent me the Metallica one. I was always a big fan of Metallica. Yeah. Uh, I love instrumental music. Uh, you know, so some of their early stuff is great. Obviously, you know, the self-titled Black Album is, you know, what they're most known for probably. Yep. But... Uh, but you're right. I, having having watched some Nine Inch Nails and then watching Metallica, I'm like, yeah, Trent killed it. I mean, like, it is no wonder. I mean, it was just different. You know what I mean? Like, Nine Inch Nails had only been around for like six years or something like that, mm-hmm. and, and so just it, 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 recently got popular. Exactly. And, and Metallica was 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 one of, if not the biggest bands on this ticket, and that's why they were basically headlining the biggest night which is saturday night but uh, you know and they had been out for 10 years they had done all this stuff in the 80s ride the lightning and justice for all master of puppets and then the black album was was a mega hit for them enter sandman and all that stuff came out in 91 well there was this this is what i'm talking about the shift not to talk crap about metallica because they're great but they were like you could see a major difference they were like old hat Compared to this raw energy of Nine Inch Nails and this new thing that most people were experiencing for the first time. And they're covered in mud. They're screaming. It sounds like a show. I just swore for the first time in this half a season. Not directly quoting something. And then you get Metallica, who seems a little bit too polished after that. And a little bit too corporate. Oh, 100%. And, and they're they're the machine. They had been touring for so long, and that all their music sounded polished and perfect. And they had done that show so many times. It just didn't seem as authentic and edgy, nearly as edgy as as what had immediately been on stage before them. Well, not when you have Trent covered in mud with his hair in his face, screaming, you know, the lyrics of happiness and slavery. I mean, like, yeah, it's yeah. gonna feel different. Yeah, it's raw because it is raw. Think about this, Chad. We are now further away from Woodstock 94, 28 years, than we were from the original Woodstock when Woodstock 94 happened. And think about how how 60s that was, you know, with, with Joe Cocker and Grateful oh, Dead yeah. and Santana. Right. And then 94 was like a completely different thing. Do you think culture has changed more from 69 to 94 or from 94 to 2021, let's say. Or 2019 oh. would have been 25 years. It's hard to picture that because the 60s, there were so much, there was so much social issues going on in the world that that you needed something like Woodstock 69. You needed people to come together for peace, love, and and all that kind of stuff and music. By 94, we had been, the music had changed, the styles had changed, but things were starting to become easier. We were born at a time where things were, I mean, I think a little bit more peaceful to a degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were still mm-hmm. wars, there was things like that. But in this country, I think it was a really great time and technology was actually at that point bringing us together to the point to where, you know, I, I, I almost kind of wondered, was this was this Woodstock 94 they were still talking about the peace and love aspect of it but i felt like MTV was really trying to sell that concept because you know it 
they were kind of mimicking the 69 Woodstock, but really yeah. it was just a bunch of dope bands. And they're right. like, peace and love. Well, what for? We already are peace right. and love. We were at a right. good time. You know, I would say to a degree we've regressed in some areas today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so I almost feel like if we were to do a Woodstock today, bringing people together is would be more important today that would match the 69. I think 94 was a sweet time period. Yeah. That that they were just kind of spoon feeding that the notion of of that. Think about how corporate and inauthentic it would be now compared I mean if we think 94 was corporate and polished, think about how corporate and polished it would be now and how they would go out of their way to to be representative. I'll, I'll grab this type of band, this type of band. And that that's probably a good thing. But to your sure. point, Woodstock 94 was more like just an amazing set, an amazing yeah. collection of bands. They treat, you're right. MTV treated this like it was a sequel. They treated Correct. it as, and it was, but it, they treated it as it was kind of on the very much the coattails of 69 and yep. two more days of peace, love and music, three more days of peace, love and music. Um, and, and the hippie flower power stuff, and everything was playing off the original. Whereas, with the benefit of 28 years behind us, Woodstock 94 was very much its own thing. Correct. And it can stand on its own and was awesome in its own right. And didn't need to Correct. ride on the coattails of 69. No, it didn't. Because I feel like they had two separate purposes. When you think of, of 69 to 94, we had gone through, after that, we had gone through you know, the classic rock classic rock phase. We went through the punk rock phase. We went through new wave we went through 80s pop we went through 80s hair bands we went through grunge we went through disco we went through all of those (laughs) permutations of of music and culture in 25 years and in from 94 to 2019 we had i don't I, you know, we had some racial stuff going on in the early nineties. The Rodney King riots had, had just happened yep. and the OJ thing was fresh, but I don't know. I'd say, I'd say there was more change between 69 and 94 than there has been in the last almost 30 years. There hasn't in been nearly music. as many changes in, 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 in music. In music. in music development. Although I wouldn't know yes. because I, I only paid attention for about six of those years. And I couldn't tell you what's happened to the other 22. <laughs>